you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Last few Sundays we've been talking about uh, the wonderful gifts we've received in Christ. Because of His birth, because of our Lord and Savior has come. We receive so many gifts, don't we? Salvation, forgiveness of sin, eternal life, but we've been talking about the ones that help us while we're here, living the life that he's called us to live. And We've talked about hope and peace. Well, today I want to spend some time talking about joy. Jesus has given us joy. Our greatest need for at Christmas is not more things. The greatest need that we have for every person is salvation, and we all have sinned against God, and if we die in our sins, then we're to face God's punishment, his judgment. But joy is knowing that God's salvation has come, and we are reconciled with him through Christ Jesus. Our greatest joy is knowing that God offers salvation through his Son. So we're going to look at uh, Zacharias, the priest, who's the father of John the Baptist, and we're going to look at his song of joy. Oh, actually, this morning, do you have joy in your heart? Missy just reminded me, she just uh, seen where a dear friend of ours, Pat Crawford, her husband died. He, they've been married 57 years. And uh, I tell you what, sometimes in this world, you look around, you see what's going on, and if you, if you know Revelation, you see the world's just kind of turning to an end. And... Uh, all the evil and anger. But we can have joy this morning in Christ Jesus. That's the gift he gives us. That Even though the world may be topsy-turvy, even though our own life may not be what we expect it to be, but our eternal life, our spirit, our spiritual life, is one full of joy knowing that Christ has come. So let's read Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 67. So his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, and we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore, he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of his showing to Israel. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for this time that you've given us. Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful season, this Advent season, Father, where we remember and meditate on the coming of your Son. And Father, we know that in just a few short years, Father, he'll go to that cross and die for the sins of the world. But he couldn't do that if he wasn't first born, if God did not become man. So, Father, we rejoice now that for all those who believe on you, all those who have eternal life, you filled us with joy. Father, help us understand that joy is put there so it can bubble over to other people, so we can tell people, no matter what happens in this world, no matter what evil befalls us, it is well with our soul because of the joy that Jesus is bringing. Now, Father, we ask, Lord, that you give us a, just a few moments in your word, Father, for us to, to grasp this concept of joy that you've given us, to take a hold of this gift, Father, that you've given us, to help us in our days to come, that no matter what happens, we know that we belong to you. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Zacharias was a priest. He was married to Elizabeth. And the Bible says that they both were righteous before God. They walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. But they couldn't have any children. And now they were old, too old to have kids. But while Zacharias was in the temple burning incense, and the people were outside praying, an angel spoke to him. In chapter 1, verse 11, it says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong, strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the, to their Lord, to the Lord their God. And he shall go before in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. They were going to have a son. They were going to call him John. It would be John the Baptist. And he was going to go make the way for the Messiah. He was going to go and tell people that the Messiah was coming, that God had sent a Savior. And Zacharias doubted that this could happen because he was old and Elizabeth was old. Look at verse 18. Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall yet I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. He doubted. 
So he couldn't be able, he was not be able to speak until it was fulfilled. I don't know if you caught that or not, but I like it where he says that, he said, I am an old man. But he didn't say his wife was an old lady, did she? No, he said, she's well stricken in years. That's a nice way of saying she's old, too old to have kids. But it's a lesson for us right here that we should never doubt what the Word of God says. When God says it'll happen, it'll happen. We're, we're, we're in Revelations, and we've been talking about uh, the end times, and we're getting closer and closer when Jesus comes back. And as we look at that, we figure, oh, how can this happen, or, or how is this possible? But we, we do know that it will happen exactly the way God says it will, because he cannot be doubted, because God does not lie. Now look at verse uh, 57 of chapter 1. It says, Now Elizabeth, uh, her, Elizabeth's full time came that she should deliver, and she brought forth the son, and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father that he would, uh, have, uh, he, would, uh, he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, saying, His name is John. And they all marveled. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loose, and he spake, and he, and he praised God. Zacharias praised God. He was filled with joy. Not because he had a son. Not just because that he could speak again. But he was filled with joy because God was about to offer salvation to the world. And as we look at Zacharias' song, we see the reasons for joy that he had. And the joy is in the salvation. So first we're going to see that he rejoiced in knowing that salvation was God's plan. Look at verses uh, 67 again. It says, The Lord and, the, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he had visited and redeemed his people. God had visited us. Not his angels. Not a representative, but God himself has visited his creation. Salvation is of the Lord. We did not go searching for him. We did not go looking for some, some way for him to save us. He came to visit us. God saw our helpless condition. He took pity on us and came down to meet our need in person as our Savior. And this prophecy is found in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 24 and 25, it says... And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and he will carry, and, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. Joseph told them that God was going to visit them, that God was going to do exactly what he said. He promised Abraham in the land. They were in Egypt now, and that's where we're going to stay. But God would make a way, and God would come and visit him. Joseph was dying. But he knew that God had promised him a better land. 
And it happened 400 years later when God sent Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, appeared unto you, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. God came to visit. There ain't nothing special, more special than God comes. And here in Zechariah's time, Israel has not heard a word from God in over 400 years. They were under Roman oppression and, 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 and captivity. It seemed as if God had forgotten his people. They didn't serve God anymore. They served the law. But now, after the birth of the Messiah's witness, John the Baptist, and knowing the angel's promise to Mary that she would bear a son of God, Zacharias rejoiced in knowing that the Lord, God of Israel, has visited them. We should be filled with joy knowing that God and what he has done. Oh, man, sometimes we get so wrapped up in ourselves, don't we? We get so wrapped up in the things we have to do and, and preparation and decoration and buying gifts and, and, and figuring out how we're going to spend time with family and all the stuff we have to do and then all the other stuff that we carry into the season with us, all the, the troubles from the past few months and weeks and the things that are going on in our lives, and, and we're all in a turmoil. If we could just focus on the joy that Christ brings at this time of year. He not only saw our desperate condition and sent us help, he actually took our human condition on himself. He took on human flesh, not as a king above our weaknesses, but as a baby, frail, yet without sin. And that's not all. He even took our sins upon himself on the cross, bearing the penalty that we deserve. God visited us by sending his son. And we have salvation because God accomplished it. Not because, you can't say I am saved because I accepted Christ. No, you're saved because God sent his son. He opened up your eyes. He put a light that you could see so that you know that you needed to be saved. He also showed you that you cannot save yourself. And he showed you his son. He said, thank God you sent your son to die for me. God accomplished our salvation. Verse 69, it said, And have raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. The horn is a symbol of strength, like the horns of a bull. Our salvation is strong because God did it. It had nothing to do with us. Because anything that we do, it becomes marred. It becomes cursed with sin. But God did this, and it's perfect. He was raised up according to the prophecy that God told us in the Old Testament. In Psalms 132.17, There will I make a, a, a horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. It's his strength. It's his lamp. It's his light. It's his son that he sent to save us. Also, God sent his uh, Savior in accordance with the oath of his covenant with Abraham. Look at verses 70 through 74. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have uh, been seen in the world since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand that hate, of all them that hate us, to perform the mercy uh, promised to our fathers, and to, the, and to remember the, his holy covenant, the oath 
which he sware to his father Abraham, to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. He made a promise to Abraham, didn't he? In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Jesus came through the line of Abraham. Why? To bless the whole world. Zacharias can prophesy because he can rejoice in knowing that God will make it so. Church, I want you to understand something very plainly. You're not waiting to get eternal life. You have eternal life right now. You're not waiting for God to make it so. It's so right now. As sure as I'm standing here, the minute I drop, I'll be with the Lord. I'm confident that that should fill us with joy. That we're not waiting for anything anymore. We have eternal life. Zacharias also rejoiced that salvation is accomplished through the person of Jesus Christ. Not through us, but through him. In 70, uh, verse 75 and 76, it says, In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives, that, and that child shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord and prepare his ways. Zacharias knew that this child that will be born is the Son of God, and his son, John, will proclaim his coming. In verse 78, he said, To give light unto them that sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. He also says that through the tender mercies, our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. The day spring on high. The sun has risen. The sun that shines light onto this world that we need to see. John 8, 7, uh, 12 says, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We must rejoice that the, that the light has come into this dark world. And Jesus is not just our Savior. He's our light. He came as a person so that he could, so that he could know us completely. That's the most wonderful thought, part about this. He not only, he knew, Jesus, uh, God knew that there had to be a sacrifice for sin. And it had to be a perfect sacrifice. And he knew there's nobody on earth that fits that bill. No one could be that perfect sacrifice. So he sent his son, all God, all man, to be without sin, to be that perfect sacrifice. But he also, becoming a man and being born as a baby, being born to poor parents and having to live in this life and to walk on this earth and to feel the hunger pains and, and feel the heat and feel the trouble and the sorrows and be tempted. So he can know how we struggle physically and emotionally. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest 
that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may f- obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can go to him. We can go to God through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he knows our struggles. He knows the problems we have. You can't go to God and God says, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're going through because I'm God. I'm above your problems. No, he says, uh, my son knows exactly what you're going through. My son has suffered, bled, and died for you. He's walked this earth. He's grieved the loss of a loved one. Lazarus died. He knows how you feel. You sit there and think, I'm so long, I don't understand. Why am I so depressed this time of year? Why, why am I going through this? And he knows. He was tempted to Satan for 40 days in the wilderness. He knows. God became a person so that he could know our needs. How much love is that? He didn't have to do that. He could snap his fingers and say who he wants to. But he came according to his word, according to the sacrifice, according to what had to be done to know us. Rejoice that you that we can't be God. So God became man. It's a beautiful. What love God has for us. Zacharias also rejoiced that salvation means the forgiveness of our sin is by God's mercy. Look at verse 77 again, 78. To give knowledge to have the salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. Through the tender mercy of our God. Zechariah makes it clear that the Messiah did not come to save us from Rome. He didn't come to save them from the oppression that they were under. He didn't come to make a, set up a, a political kingdom so that uh, Israel will have it made for the rest of the time. No, he came to save people from their sins. At Jesus' second coming, when he sets up his eternal kingdom and defeats all enemies, then that kingdom will last forever. And John the Baptist's ministry was intended to show Israel that salvation means the forgiveness of sin. In Luke chapter 3, verse 3, it says, And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of remission, of repentance, of the remission of sin. That was his message. He said, in order for you to be saved, in order for you to accept the, 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 the salvation offered by the coming Messiah, you must repent of your sins. Israel was God's chosen people. But they still had to be reconciled with God individually through repentance and forgiveness of their sin. And since God is holy, no sinner can stand in his presence. And since he is just, he cannot remove sin without payment. And that payment is the penalty of death. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But because of his tender mercy, he took on himself the penalty that we deserve so that we could be free. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know why. Y'all are looking at me like you're half asleep. You should be smiling. There's there's something about this joy right here. It has a way of bubbling up. All right? And if it don't come out through here, 
I don't know where it's going to come out at. So you better put a smile on your face and realize that the joy that he fills you with, the joy that he's given us, this wonderful gift. John 1.29 says, The next day John said Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. John knew. He made sure everybody else knew. God takes away our sins simply because of his mercy. We don't deserve salvation. We deserve to, to pay for our sins by eternal death. But in God's mercy, he saw his creation was lost, and he made a way. Isaiah 9, 2. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of, of the shadow of death upon them have the light shine. And in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, it says, Arise, shine in thy light, thy light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen above thee. And behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise above thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. A light so great that all could see. A light so great that it shares the darkness that the Satan has on the world. The picture is uh, of those who sit in darkness here. They are lost and they cannot find their way. They don't know which way to go. and They're just living in fear, dreading death. Then the Savior is born in Bethlehem. There's a glimmer of hope as that light from that star was shining. And they, later, they hear later that that Savior died to save people from their sins. And they wonder if they are good enough to earn the salvation which Christ offers. And then they hear that it is not something that anyone can earn, but it, God offers forgiveness freely, simply by His mercy. How wonderful. His tender mercy. If we had to earn it, church, we'd never get it. Mercy is the gift of a compassionate God who loved us so much. He would bend time. He would touch our earth with his presence. He would come visit simply to bring us forgiveness of sin. Rejoice in his mercy. And finally, Zacharias rejoiced that salvation results in a life of holy service to God. We'll read uh, 74 and 75 again. That he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of his hand, out of the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Zechariah says that we serve God without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Salvation is not just us and our, our happiness. God didn't save you so the rest of your life would be perfect. He didn't save you so, okay, now you're saved. The rest of your life is a breeze. Everything's going to happen to you will be good and perfect and great. No. He served us so that he saved us so we could serve him through all of our problems. Though knowing what this life is, knowing that we're surrounded by the enemies knowing that people will hate us because they hated him, knowing all this. The Christian life is a blessedly happy life, full of joy and gladness, but God 
doesn't save us so that we can live happily ever after. He saved us so that we could glorify him. That's our happiness. My happiness is not uh, based on the things of this world. I got up this morning and went out to start the car, the car wouldn't start. All right? I could have just took him keys and slung them and said, oh, that's it. We're, I'm not going. They can, they can do it on their own. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to serve God. No, the car won't even start. No, if you find your joy in things like that, if you find your, your, you get upset over things like that, then you lose the sight of what that joy is supposed to do to you. You're supposed to serve God with holiness and righteousness no matter what happens, no matter how broken you feel inside, no matter the depression that comes from living in this world, no matter the evil that surrounds you, you're to serve God with your whole heart in, in righteousness and holiness, which he gave you. He saved us so we could glorify him. Our joy in God should overflow into the life of holy service. People who think they're saved, but who live for themselves and their own happiness by neglecting others and not serving God are deceiving themselves. True salvation always results in a holy life given to service to a gracious God. True salvation always results in a holy life given to serve a gracious God. Listen, not everybody's called to preach. We met two uh, young people who were on their way to Indonesia. They had a little baby. And uh, they're, they're, they're going on the mission field, probably sometime first of next year. And they came Wednesday night to our Bible study. We had a chance to talk to them, and, and, and they were a true blessing. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what are you thinking? Taking that little baby overseas at this time and with all the evil and stuff? Well, we're called to serve God in holiness and righteousness because he gives us the power. We talked about the two witnesses who came in the great tribulation period who witnessed for God. And God kept them there doing the work as long as he wanted them there because they came to serve God. And listen, we're called to be his witnesses. He gives us a message in our heart. And that message is that our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're to share that with the world. And when we're truly standing in the light of God's love and grace, we can do nothing but love and serve him unconditionally. By loving God and loving others. If you're saved today, you know the true meaning of Christmas. And if you're saved today, you should be rejoicing. If you love God, rejoice. Zacharias knew his son was going to serve God. He probably didn't know the fate of John the Baptist, that he would serve God, but then he would be killed. For that service. But it didn't matter to John. John didn't care if he lived a hundred years or if he lived thirty years, as long as he got to tell as many people as he could about Jesus. So today, church, before you leave here, yeah, as you go through your week, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, as we understand uh, uh, the, 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 the things that you have to get accomplished, the things you got going on in your life, spend a little time rejoicing in the Lord.
Rejoice in God's plan for salvation that had nothing to do with you. Rejoice in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who left heaven's glory to come, to be born of man, to suffer, bleed, and die for us. Rejoice in God's tender mercy. Because you didn't deserve to be saved, but he saved you because he loved you. And rejoice in your service to God and seek holiness. And serve him by telling others about his glorious life. Every head bow, every eye closed. I hope these uh, series of sermons have been a blessing to you. Um, I think there's a there's a there's an attitude and there's a way that the church should live that we miss sometimes. God says, I don't want you to be happy all the time. Jesus wasn't happy all the time. Jesus uh, overturned turned the tables of the money changers in the temple. He called the Pharisees a den of vipers. He saw the things that were going on, but he was angry. He, uh, he got tired, had to go rest. But he was compassionate. When he fed the 5,000, he also healed everyone that needed healing. There comes a a time in our life where we realize that we're not living no longer for ourselves. The Bible says, uh, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. You're a new creature in Christ. And that new creature is a witness, a servant of God. Someone who carries the the light of Christ in their hearts. Someone who's called to shine that light into the darkness of this world so that other people can see. You don't have to go talk theology to anybody. You don't have to go and talk, uh, uh, show people the knowledge of your scriptures. All you got to do is go say, listen, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how I come to know him personally and how he personally came into my heart and saved me. Explain the relationship you have with Jesus. So you know that baby that's born in Bethlehem that we celebrate during Christmas time? That baby's going to grow up. He's going to have a ministry that's only going to last for a few years. And then he's going to march to the cross like a lamb to the slaughter and lay down his life so that all that believe in him can have eternal life. What love. Church rejoice. God has visited us. God is good. He has a plan. One day we'll be taken out of the hands of our enemies and set in a kingdom ruled by Christ for all eternity. Rejoice. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father, for this time. Father, we thank you for all that you show us about your love and your mercy to us. And Father, when we see how you truly loved us when we didn't deserve it, Help us to see how we should love others the same way. We're not to look for reasons why we should love someone. We're to love them because you love them. We're to tell them about Jesus because he died for them too. You saved us so that we could serve the one who loved us so much. Lord, I thank you that uh, salvation was your plan. I thank you that the salvation provided is through Christ and Christ only. I thank you that it had nothing to do with me or for for any of us, Father, because we'll mess it up. But because it was you, because it was your son, it's perfect. And it is offered to everyone who would just believe. 
Father, we pray for those who don't know. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray today will be the day they see your great love, that you love them so much that you died for them, that you don't care about their sins, Father. You want to take them away. You want to take away that penalty they keep them, they're, they're under, that burden of sin. You want to lift it off of them, Father, so that they can love you the way you love them. Father, help them to see that today. Father, for all of us who believe, Father, let us rejoice in the joy that you put in our heart. And let us share that with the world. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.